something to you. Uh, this is a, a Father's Day um, letter that a son put together about his father. So I want to read just a couple of paragraphs of what he wrote. He says, quote, I'll start with an antidote. I rock climb, sometimes with a rope, sometimes without. When I use a rope, I need someone holding the other end to keep me from plummeting to my death should my grip give. That person is the belayer. It's not the belayer's job to pull the climber up the wall. If that were the case, the climber would undergo no stress, build no strength, and gain no experience. The belayer's job is to be there in case the climber falls. The belayer keeps the rope just slack enough so the climber doesn't feel any tension on the way up and feels essentially alone on the wall. Yet the rope has to be taut enough so that if the climber falls, they do not hit the ground or lose much progress on the wall. Climbing and belaying are hard things to do. There's a foundation of trust that fuels the climber slash belayer dynamic, and I can't help but think fatherhood is similar. My dad is my belayer, despite the fact that I don't live at home anymore and I don't talk to him every day. I know, however, that he's there when I need him. He'll work out the problem with me and tell me about times he's dealt with similar situations. He'll tell me what he thinks is a good course of action but only after hearing my story and exploring how I feel about what I've said. He is not a helicopter parent. That is, he doesn't, he doesn't pull me up on the hard parts of the wall and prevent me from climbing. Helicopter parents remove the essence of life from the lives of their children in the same way helicopter belayers remove the essence of climbing from their climber. Dad doesn't remove my essence. Instead, he ensures that it thrives. It's how his parents raised him, and it's what I'll do when my time to be lay comes. And then he ends by saying, one of the more underrated jobs of the belayer is their ability to encourage the climber to get back up on the wall. They can suggest alternate courses of action or simply say, try that move again, teaching resilience the power to get back on the wall can be very hard. A belayer's job is very supportive, as you can see in this example. Um, I don't know a whole lot of ba about rock climbing, and I don't intend to learn very much about it. I'm not a rock climber. Um, I don't have a desire to do that. I'm not built for that. Uh, I envy it, but not so much that propels me to want to become. And uh, there are those free climbers that, that climb steep walls of mountain, and they even somehow put tents up there and hang from niches in the rock. And, and that's not something that I want to do. However, in this scenario, the belayer that is there is someone that helps the rock climber up the wall, someone that assists them in their ascent. And I can relate to that. We all need somebody or someone or something that helps us ascend. Our goal should be to keep ascending. 
That's why the church exists. We don't want to downtrodden anybody, but we want to uplift. I come to the house of God because I can be uplifted by the Holy Ghost that is in this place. Even on a hot midweek service, when I'm tired and the sun has drained every bit of energy from me, even though I am not working in it anymore, I still am thankful that there is a midweek service in Bakersfield, California, where the saints of God can gather together and feel the presence of the Almighty as He takes away all of our spiritual stress and He lifts us to a place where He is. He is a belayer. He is always there. There are battles that we will fight, and there are struggles that we will come against. It is part of life. It is a fact of life. It isn't easy always, but what we can put our trust in and where we can have peace of mind is knowing that there is somebody who will never leave us or forsake us. I'm speaking today about one of the most powerful truths that you can never escape. When you understand that God is always with you, even when you don't understand the situation, even when the wall is steep, even when you're losing your grip, it's easier to keep moving forward. Let me encourage you today. I don't know what wall you are against, and I don't know what challenges you are facing, but I have told you today that there is a God who won't leave you, who will never betray you, who always has his eye on you, who has his hand on the rope, and he's not going to let you slip. If you have the desire to keep moving forward, then he's going to help you. Put your hands together and worship him. Hallelujah. I'm thankful he's here in this place. Hallelujah. He is able to keep you from falling. Well, I have fallen. I don't think the writer is saying that you will never fall or slip, but he's able to keep you from falling. When you remember where he is and what he's doing, and you remember his purpose, and you put together your purpose with his, he's able to keep you from falling. If you want to excel, just know who Jesus is and know where he's called you to be and know that he's never going to leave your side. Amen. Amen. I want to interject something in preparation for this, this message. I, I was reminded my, my mind works in weird ways sometimes and random thoughts. And uh, I was thinking about the elder who said, you need a, always need a good pair of shoes, or you need a good car, or you need a good bed. Because if you're not in one, you're in the other. And that, should, that, that really is how life should be. You should be in a car, nice car. You should be in a nice pair of shoes. You should be in one or the other. And if you don't have a nice pair of shoes, if, if you don't have a bed because you're broke, or you don't have a nice car because you're broke. The goal should be that God would bless you to a point that you could be in one of those things. What he was pointing out is make sure those things are nice because you're going to spend a lot of time there. You're going to be in one or the other of those places. And so in thinking about that in today's lesson, I, I just want to say that we should always have a place that we should be wanting to be in in the kingdom of God. It shouldn't always be about self. For example, we shouldn't just be coming and worrying about me, but there's a bigger picture 
in the kingdom of God. When you seek first the kingdom of God, you realize how minuscule you are, how minute you are, and that there's other people that are a part of this thing, and they, they need development, and they need help. And when you start putting your focus on those things of the kingdom, when you start caring about other people and becoming their belayer, you should always try to be in one of those positions where you're helping somebody grow in the house of God. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a teacher or a speaker. But you can be a Christian. You can be Christ-like. And He came to this world to save sinners. And our goal should be the same. We should have a christ Mindset that we want to see sinners saved. And how can I be a part of that process? How can I be somebody that will help somebody excel? And, and Belaine is a good example. I want to be there for my brother. I want to encourage my brother. I want to lift up my brother. And I want to let them know that, yes, 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 you may have fallen, but you haven't fallen all the way down. God is still able to pick you back up. I can encourage somebody today. I can can be a belayer. I can call somebody and say, you know, I haven't seen you in the house of God in a while. You know, it's not the same when you're not there. I really wish you would come back to the house of God. Do you need a ride? I want to be somebody's belayer today because that's what Christ is to me. That's the example he's given to me. And if we are to tote ourselves as Christians take on his persona to be Christ-like, then it should be our goal to belay as he has belayed for us. Amen. Amen. The bearer. This scripture in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, I'll be reading throughout this passage, says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do? To inherit eternal life. And he asked him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. And this is an interesting part of the story. Because he willing to justify himself, this certain lawyer, he said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? He's wanting to know who he, who he needs to love as himself. So Jesus goes into a parable to explain who the neighbor is. And he said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. If you could show the picture, please. I don't know um, if you're able to. Yes, hallelujah. We were able to go to Jerusalem in November of 2019, and this is the road to Jericho, Jericho or part of it. And they built a mosque there, but the road you can see is way down there looking from top of a cliff, and uh, first of all, I want to say that this is a road that leads from Jerusalem, from a high place, and goes to a low place known 
as Jericho. This cut in the mountain allowed the traveler by foot, this 20-mile journey, to cut through the mountain and get there in a matter of hours. This path is amongst the rocks, and it's easy when you view it. And there's another picture that I have that shows how it's hidden, this path amongst the mountains. It would be easy for a thief or a robber to come out of that place and to attack you, unaware to the traveler, this road to Jericho. And I would just like to say that we should never be on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. We need to stay in Jerusalem because it is when you leave Jerusalem that you give yourself the opportunity to fall prey unto the thief. Jericho is a low place. You don't need to go to Jericho, but you need to stay where there's safety. You need to stay where, where there's protection. You need to stay where the church is. You need to stay where God is blessing you. You need to stay where you can hear the preacher. You need to stay where friends can encourage you. Don't find yourself on a pathway where thieves can hurt you and rob you and leave you half dead. The first thing that you need to tell yourself is, I need to stay in the house of God. I need to be around the people of God. I need to be where the Spirit of God is. I know it's easier saying than it is to do, but it is the truth. You need to stay in Jerusalem because when you go down this path, there are many places where the thief can jump out of the rock and beat you and wound you and leave you on the roadside unbeknownst to those that love you. Verse 31 says, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Jesus is pointing out, Who is my neighbor? Jesus is trying to show this certain lawyer who the neighbor is. And here we have someone, a priest, someone who, who knows about God, walk by on the other side. Bible says that he saw him and he passed by on the other side. Next verse says there was a Levite that when he was at that place, came. And he didn't just see him, but he looked on him. He stared at him for a while. He observed the pain. He observed the hurt. But then he just walked by on the other side. This is not who we should be. This is not what we should emulate. Somebody that just looks on somebody who has fallen and observes it and offers no help, offers no kind of peace or comfort, and just walks by on the other side. Then it goes on in verse 33 to say, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and sat him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, 
When the Samaritan departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. The Samaritan, the half-breed, that one that was perceived as a dog by his Jewish brethren, that one that had no business with the Jews, looked upon this man and said, I will take care of him. He did more than just stare at him. He did more than just, just look upon him. He didn't pass by the other side. He didn't even talk to him, but he saw the wounds, and he started taking care of the wounds, and he took care physically of this individual, and he paid money as he bore him on his own beast and took him to his own uh, to, a, to an inn and paid with his own wages. Jesus asked, which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. This man was a bearer. He was a bearer of pain. He was a bearer of wounds. He took a burden that was not his own. And he put this beaten man on his own beast and carried him back to Jerusalem to a safe place. And he made sure that there was peace and there was healing and he made sure that he was fed and taken care of and he made sure there was an assurance that if he needed anything else that he would pay and he would cover the cost this man that many would not regard as somebody special that many would not regard as a man of talent or a man of fame he was neighbor this is the man that Jesus said you should love as yourself the person that you think is the least. This is your neighbor. This is the person that you should care for. This is the neighbor. And this is the house of God. We should love all that are coming into this place. I don't know about you, but it's not cliche to say. And we don't say it enough, but I don't know where I would be and I don't know where some of you would be if you didn't come to the house of refuge and there wasn't a Savior who bore all of your pain and all of your sorrow. If there weren't precious saints of the Most High that were bearing your name up in heaven unto a God, calling out your name in prayer and taking those wounds that some knew about and talked to God about it. Nobody else, they talked to God and those that were precious unto you in your time of need and they bore you up and they said, I'm going to lift up this person that is beaten. I don't even know who they are, but they're struggling, and I'm going to take them someplace, someplace safe. That's the kind of house that we need to be serving in. That's the kind of Christian that we need to be. That's the kind of servant that we should emulate. We need to be that person that takes care of our brother and of our sister. We don't do that by backbiting. We don't do that just by looking and walking by on the other side. Even though we have it all together, we may be like priests and we know the word and we may be like a Levite and we know everything about the house of God but let me tell you if you're not getting your hands dirty if you're not working with people if you're not loving people let me tell you he came to save sinners of whom I am chief Paul said if you're not working with people if you're not bearing them up if you're not taking care of wounds if you're not loving each other and bearing up the body then you're not the neighbor I want to be the neighbor I want to be somebody that God is proud of I want to be somebody 
somebody that goes to heaven and look at somebody on the other side of the pearly gates and say, I remember when we served together in the kingdom. I remember where God took you from. I want to look at somebody and say, thank you for bearing my burden and thank you for lifting up my name in prayer. Oh, let's worship him. Come on, somebody, let's give him praise. You may be seated. Hebrews 9 and 28 says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. This man knew everyone, still knows everyone. Even those that haven't been born yet. And he went to Calvary with a weight that no physical man could bear. The sins of the world. That cup of gall that he drank. So bitter yet sweet unto me. Because he became the propitiation of my sin. He became the ultimate sacrifice. He became the lamb for lost sinners slain. He showed us what it was. To be the bearer. Or are you thankful today to know that he took your sins to Calvary? Are you thankful that your sins are covered by his blood? Let's thank him for just a moment. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Let's just thank him, Lord. I thank you for your blood. I thank you for bearing my burden. I thank you, Lord, for taking on the sin of this world. Lord, and remembering my name when you went to Calvary. Hallelujah. Lord, there is no other name under heaven given among by men whereby we must be saved. I love you and give you glory. Praise God. Praise God. Mark 12 talks about one of the scribes that came to Jesus said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. These are the words of Jesus to the question of this scribe who asked, Which is the first commandment of all in Mark chapter 12, verse 29? The first of all the commandments, Jesus said, is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. With all thy mind, with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. Certainly we could spend much time talking about how we should love the Lord. How we should love Him with all of our heart and all of our mind, soul, and strength. And we believe that. But Jesus doesn't stop there with His answer. He continues. And He says, and the second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor. As thyself. He emphasizes his response with that last sentence in verse 31. He says, There is none other commandment greater than these. That you will love me with everything, and you will love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's an emphasis today. That God wants to put on the heart of man. And we're living in the last times. And man is disregarding man. Man is putting down man. But we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. The house of God does not need to be like social media. The house of God doesn't need to be a place that makes fun of somebody else. 
The house of God doesn't need to be a place of ridicule. The house of God needs to be a place of love, a place where people can come of all nationality, of all race, of all walks of life, and they will find a love. Hallelujah. And we get, we get a lot of times compliments from visitors. I never felt like I have felt anywhere, like I have felt in your sanctuary. People come up to me and greet me and they, and they smile and I can feel a genuine care. That's because there is a genuine care in the house of God. We love people. We want people to come here. We know a God that can save them. Why? Because we were once like them and we, we had struggles and we had failures and someone loved us and someone took care of us. So somebody hear me today. We need to bear each other's burdens. We need to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. Hallelujah. The belayer and the brother and the bearer. I, I won't be very long. And the church says amen. You don't have to say amen. But that's okay if you did. But the last similitude I would like to correlate tonight in this place is a brother. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. We can stop right there, Bishop. It's probably best that the spiritual ones take care of a brother that's overtaken in a fault. Not self-proclaimed spiritual, but those that really love God and are close, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one, or restore this brother overtaken in a fault in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of God. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Verse 4, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. If a man be overtaken in a fault, amen, we which are spiritual are to backbite and to laugh at and to scorn and to ridicule and tell somebody who will tell somebody who will tell somebody and by the end of that, it's going to be a worse story than really what actually happened. And that's so true. But that's not what it says. It says restore in the spirit of meekness. Considering your brother because one day you're going to be tempted. And beware, one day you might fall. Beware, one day you might fall into the snare of the fowler. And who's going to be there for you? To restore you. You better be looking for a brother that's spiritual. Amen. I come to the house of God. I'm not just praying. Praying for myself. But I'm praying God use me. Allow me to be a help to somebody. Can I be a brother to somebody today? Can I reach out to the broken hearted? Can I restore? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh where would the church be? 
if we restored each other? Where would the church be if we forgot about each other's pains and bruises and past and just was a brother and a sister to one another? And in the spirit of meekness, we restored one another and we lifted each other up. Hallelujah. Isn't that what the house of God is for? Or have you already become to that place of Christian, a Christian status where you're just, everything is that God wanted you to be and you're just here to fill up a seat on the pew? No, I don't think you think that way. I know you know what I'm preaching. We're here today to become better Christians, better brothers, better belayers, better bearers. Hallelujah. Because Christ was that unto us. Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. Hallelujah. That's not a bad verse. That's not saying that sinners aren't worthy. That's saying, hey, the ones that are in the fold, let's take care of each other. Because we all should have the same goal in mind. We all have the same purpose. Let's work together. We are the body of Christ. We are members in particular. We are the body of Christ, though, and together we're moving this thing to a higher level, to a greater place in God, and we can't reject a member. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor, nor the eye to the foot, and all of that. They, the one member cannot say to the other, I have no need of you. And if you're in this place today, you are needed in the house of God. You may feel like the toenail on the pinky toe, but you are needed in the house of God. You ever lost your toenail? I've lost my toenail. And uh, on my own foolish account of, of using my foot as a chalk for a dolly, a little hand truck dolly that had a huge refrigerator on it, and I just stuck my foot in the bite of that wheel, and I leaned that refrigerator back, and it gripped my toe so fierce that the notes I hit coming out of my mouth would have put me in the soprano section of the choir. And that toenail bruised and fell off, which at first was kind of gruesome and painful. And it came off, and, and then it, that wasn't so bad until I went and took a shower. And that water hit that toenailless toe. <laughs> and that hurt. The protection that that toenail gave to that toe was, <laughs> was crazy. So if you're a toenail today in the house of God, let me encourage you. You are needed in the house of God. Amen. Please don't call each other toenails. But we are members in particular. And though how you might view yourself and what you may think your status is, if that's such a thing in God's house, what you might think your status might be. You are needed in the house of God. You're a valuable member. God brought you here to this place for a reason. I'm thankful that you're here and I need you. We need each other. We need to go forward in Christ. Amen. It's like Brother Terry said, the dream goes on. We're remodeling right now, but I, 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 I know we sometimes get a little tired of all the remodeling and updating maybe because it just seems like we're never moving. But I'm thankful to be in a vibrant church that isn't stagnant, but that is always concerned about greater things in the kingdom of God. I'm thankful for this beautiful Libby Center. 
That is a great Ephesus to have church in. Hallelujah. And it's because members in particular make it happen and we're moving forward and we're going somewhere. And I know this may seem surprising, but musicians, please come. I am almost finished. I want to say that we need to be brothers and we need to be sisters to each other. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 5. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? And it is sombering, it is humbling to to imagine what are you? Why are you so special? That God chose you to be a recipient of the gospel. You realize it's the only saving truth. And you realize that this gospel we preach and teach This good news that we declare, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and repentance. This is salvation. It's the only way. It's the only way to make it to heaven. It's the only way you'll find in the Bible, the only way to be saved. And what is Jeremy Brock, that the Lord was mindful of me? That I should be a recipient of this great truth. But here we are today. Here we are in this house. And we have such a valuable, precious treasure. And we can't just hoard it to ourselves. And we can't just be selfish and not be a belayer. Not be a bearer. Not be a brother. goes on to say in Hebrews 2 and 7, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Verse 11 says, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Why are we a belayer today? Because Christ is our belayer, if I could say it that way. Why, why should we bear today each other's burdens? Because Christ came and he, he took on our burdens He showed us how to love and care. This is really a revival message. I mean, it's it's not the most astute or profound sermon you'll hear, but this is a revival message. Because when we learn how to be like He is, when we become what He is, when we focus on His purpose, which is His bride, 
The purpose of the Bible is to save man. It's to give sinners a chance of redemption. To take them to a place that he's prepared for them. If you have sorrows and you have worries and that's all you come to church with. And I understand that and I'm not, I'm not belittling that. The church is here for that. You come to the house, keep coming to the house of God. If you really want to see the power of God, if you really want to watch Him work, start focusing your attention on the body. Start focusing your attention on the work of God. And the things that you think are so important about yourself will fade. When you realize there's an individual that's a lot harder than you, when you realize that somebody's going through something you would have never thought of, so you came personally connected because you bore their burdens. I'm so thankful for the servants of the house of the Lord today. They saw me when I came in on a station wagon. No home, no money. And they're willing to offer my dad a job and clean my clothes and give me Bible studies. I'm thankful for that. Where would I be today if there wasn't a bearer? Where would I be today if there wasn't a belayer? Where would I be today if there wasn't someone who called me brother and thought, you know what, uh, if God got a hold of your life, I, I don't know what I can do, but I know what God can do. As we stand together in the house of the Lord this evening. Peter says to Jesus, in John chapter 13, verse number 7, Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part. Thou hast no part with me. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only then, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not, save wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. And I was just thinking about this verse. Because I heard it said not too many services ago. Someone said, I've gone too far. God, God doesn't love me, God God's not going to care for me. I, I just don't feel him. And so they, they made their sin greater than the mercy and the blood of Christ. They made their failure more powerful than Calvary. Peter said, you, you're not going to do it this way. And Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm doing, but let me wash your feet. And he goes, well, if, if, that's, if I'm not going to have any part, of, part with you, then do all of this, Jesus. I'm thankful that we don't get the opportunity to tell Jesus how he needs to work in our lives. But I can tell you the one simple thing today that you can do, even right where you are, is you can just raise your hands and say, God, you know, I, I don't feel like much, but here I am today, and I just want you to work on my behalf, God. And whatever way you see feet, I'm repenting today, and I want to be a belayer. I want to work in your kingdom. So this is what we're going to pray as they sing. We're going to say, God, Whatever it is in me, however you're going to work, 
It doesn't take magical feeling. It doesn't take a wand waved over me. It just takes a willing vessel that will raise their hands and say, Lord, forgive me of all of my sins. Forgive me of my selfish pride. Forgive me of misunderstanding your word. Forgive me of whatever it is and praise him. And then the next prayer that you need to pray is, God, use me in whatever capacity in your kingdom, God. Lord, I know that if you're a part of me, I can be a good brother. I can be a good sister. I can be a help in your kingdom. What God needs today is help in his kingdom. He said the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. I want to be a laborer today. As I sing, these altars are open just for a few moments. If you want to come up to the front, 